This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 546, Flashback, The Trade Paperback Hunt. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. This is episode 546, and I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Today's our episode is awkwardly titled Flashback, Trade Paperback Hunt. But really what I wanted to talk about um, is... Uh, that thrill you get, you know how, I mean, people who love comic books, they know that thrill of finding an issue you're really looking for, or, um, you know, sometimes you'll, you'll find something that you never expected. Like, I remember, there, uh, I want to say, say, 2008, I went to a convention in Philadelphia, I was there for a HeroClix tournament, and uh, while there, um, I was going through the, you know, uh, the, all the different vendors, and I found some issues of Iron Man. And I was looking for all, I think, six chapters of the Hands of the Mandarin storyline, which uh, up until that point had never been collected in trade paperback, and I honestly thought it never would. Um, so I remember, and I had never read the entire storyline, because as a kid I think I had issues chapter three or four, but that was it. Um, so I was really excited to almost get every chapter, and then they were missing one, and I was like... It's so stupid, but I know there have been multiple times throughout my life where I've done this, where if I can't get them all, fuck it, I'm getting none of them, which makes no sense. But I guess I was kind of like, well, if I'm going to spend the money and get part of the storyline, but then I may not be able to get that last part, and maybe it will forever elude me, why bother? Uh, which is interesting that I say that out loud, because uh, last year, I, for years, had kicked myself for not getting the uh, Amazing Spider-Man Ultimate Collections by J. Michael Straczynski um, when I could have. Um, when I could have easily gotten them back, you know. I remember uh, there was a place in Toronto called BMV, which is a, a haven uh, for anyone looking for a relatively cheap, uh, not anymore, I would say, but it used to be a haven for getting cheap trade paperbacks and comics, for that matter. Um, and I could have bought all five volumes, and I didn't. And then, as the years went on, and I was able to collect more and more of the modern Amazing Spider-Man in trade paperback, and in fact, as I look at my shelf, I've got the, the big-time collection, which has, you know, volumes one to four. I've got three of the um, of the brand-new day collections with the fourth coming on the way. So being able to fill in all this modern Spider-Man history in trade paperback format, and I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have, you know, and then I... Well, I'm still irritated about this, I'll get to it, but um, so once I had the big time, and eventually when they finished the brand new day, I had the superior era in trade and, well, and singles, and then everything after that point I have in, in trades and singles as well, so I have like everything in tra- a trade paperback format, and I'm really excited about it, happy about it, and I was like, oh man, can I, can I do the next leap, can I go backwards and get, you know, the JMS run, I mean, obviously that was back when there was other books as well, but at least the Amazing Spider-Man run, I'll have it nice and complete, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm finally going to do this, and uh, at the time, Volume 5 had become The White Whale. No one can get it. It's like 140 bucks on eBay or something stupid. Like, you cannot get this volume. This, this, this volume that likely, I mean, if I'm, if I'm to use uh, Volume 4 as any kind of barometer, uh, Volume 4 had a retail value of, what, $34.99 US and $38.99 Canadian. So this book is going for well over, like, four times that. And I was like, I can't do that. And then I found on Marvel Masterworks Forum, um, where I love frequenting, and I love everyone there because they love collected editions in a way that, I mean, like, I don't even love collected editions that way. Like, I, when I first started kind of getting into collecting, you know, all the reprints and all the stuff and trying to get, become part of this, I still had never really gotten a masterwork, was just dipping my toe into, you know, uh, omnibuses, I, you know, I only had collect two of the epic lines, so my hat is off to those who love collected editions and want to have the most massive library as possible. So, I someone on there had said, hey, there's this place, and they say they have volume five or that they're going to have it. 
you should order it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that. And I ordered it. And then like months went by and they're like, oh, we can't, there was an issue with it. I'm like, all right, well, I kind of knew that, but I'm hoping you guys can come through. And then they canceled my order. And I'm like, fuck, what happened? And they're like, no, we're still anticipating having the product. It was just an accident. You want to place the order again? I'm like, yes, I do. Anyways, long story short, it never ended up happening. Um, so now I own the Amazing Spider-Man Ultimate Collection volume one to four, and it digs into my soul because uh, I do not have volume five. Anyways, what I wanted to talk about today, though, is that that idea, because I've, I've just been springboarding back and forth, and it's kind of stream of consciousness today, but the idea of when you find something you don't expect. So I'm the aforementioned BMV, so books, magazines, and videos. Uh, it tells you how old it is, because obviously, I, I remember they used to have cassette, you know, video cassettes. This is like early 2000s when I first started frequenting one of their locations. Um, but when I would go in there, I'd find old stuff, uh, old trades. Uh, in fact, what kind of made me think about even talking about this is I was looking at my shelf and kind of thinking, like, what can I talk about today? What, you know, like, uh, the um, what I was originally going to talk about in this episode didn't end up happening. This was supposed to be an episode with my wife, and just go to timing, it didn't happen. So I'm just kind of looking through and saying, well, you know, what can I chat about? What, you know, what will kind of make me interested? And then I, I kind of realized that, you know, there's a few trades on my shelf that definitely have this, this idea of that I, I found them. They were, you know, somehow as I was going through this store, I found something. So I wanted to talk about some of them and why it kind of made me excited when I found them. Because a lot of the stuff on my shelf, for the most part, when it came out, I bought it. Um, some of them I went back and got them later, but for the most part, like, I'm looking at, like, Amazing Spider-Man Epic Collections, bought it the first, you know, first chance I got. Uh, as I mentioned, the, uh, the sad story of the Amazing Spider-Man JMS Collections, waited way too long. Now I only have four or five volumes, and it digs into my soul. Um, Astonishing X-Men by Josh Whedon Complete Collections, that was an interesting one, where I had seen the Omnibus, should have bought the Omnibus, didn't buy the Omnibus, and eventually got the collected editions when they finally released the Ultimate Collections. And I kind of, the same thing happened to me um, there, where I, I should have bought the Omnibus and didn't, uh, with um, Mark Millar's Ultimates, which I ended up buying eventually when they released those in Ultimate Collections as well. Um, but those things were like, uh, you know, I should have bought the Omnibuses, I don't know why I didn't, and then I kind of missed my opportunity. Um, but as I'm looking at the shelf, I see, uh, for instance, uh, Cable and the New Mutants, which is a super old collection, collecting some of the uh, early appearances of Cable. Um, you can tell it's old, um, just because like, it doesn't have any of the kind of modern Marvel uh, trade dress. It has a, a cover with a kind of a... Um, it's not even foil, but it definitely has some sort of sheen to it. It's like blue. It's a, a classic kind of a Liefeld cable on the cover, brandishing a, you know, his gun and so much ammo and so much, like, you know, just just so much. <laughs> but it, it's, it's you know, this is one of those things where I, I found in that, at that store. But I don't necessarily have a, an affinity for this era. But when I picked it up, um, I didn't know. Like, I hadn't read a lot of older cable. I had read a lot of modern cable, um, which I, and when I say modern, I'm, I, I feel like at the time I bought this was probably mid two thousands, but like I'd read cable Deadpool. I had read cable from basically Casey onwards. Um, although I jumped off when it became soldier X. So I'd like, I'd read a fair bit of cable. Um, but I'd never really read the old stuff. Um, and so I remember, like, that was one of the things that, like, I wasn't even looking for this type of stuff, but I was like, oh, I, you know, I should pick this up. And I think I paid, like, 10 bucks for this. Yeah, it was 10 bucks. It was originally fifteen ninety five US whenever it did come out. So uh, I definitely got, I guess, a deal. Um, <laughs> although um, some people would argue that uh, I still got ripped off because of the material inside. Uh, New Mutants, 86, 87, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92. 
Oh, not 92. I don't know what's up with that in the 93 and 94. Uh, this particular uh, collection, it looks like it was uh, 92. No, first printing, June 9th, 92. So I put this up probably, you know, not 20 years after it came out, but at least 15, like, uh, which is kind of a cool, cool kind of find. Um, similarly, along the X-Men lines, um, I found uh, a beat-up copy of the original The Coming of Bishop trade paperback. And again, this is before they'd done a, a, a relatively recent reprinting, which is a little bit more comprehensive. Uh, this is not the most well-put-together collection. I think I paid like five bucks for it, though. It's pretty small. Um, but again, I was really excited because I'd never really read this material. I mean, it collects, what, uh, pieces of Uncanny X-Men 282 to 285 and 287 to 288 and this is copyright 95 february 1995 um and it's again like i when i saw it i was like you know i'm sure this will eventually be reprinted which i was right they did um but it was nice to kind of be able to collect this stuff and you know see the early kind of days of bishop and again i probably bought this in the mid 2000s and again i had uh, when I first started jumping into the X-Men books, it was Uncanny X-Men 332, and then the following month I was on X-Men 50, uh, 53. Um, so those were my first kind of, I'm buying X-Men, let's do this. Like, I'd read one or two issues of X-Men before that, I think X-Men 20 and 27, um, I think I'm right there. But I'd never really been buying it on my own. Like, those were kind of one I traded for at school, and another one I think I got as a kind of a throw-in with a birthday gift or something. Um, so I jumped in at the beginning of Onslaught. I knew about Bishop's story because it was a big part of it. Um, the idea of him coming back to save the X-Men from the traitor, and it ended up being Xavier's, you know, as a kid was like, whoa, that's so cool. These days it seems almost hackneyed because um, Xavier's a dick. I mean, he was already a jerk, right? I mean, everyone can kind of agree that Kitty Pride said that he was a jerk and he was, she was right. But uh, the trope of Xavier being a jerk and a dick and a, <laughs> a dark guy is kind of played to death at this point, but at the time it was still new. Anyway, so when I picked this up in the mid-2000s, again, I knew Bishop from everything on onward from that point, but I hadn't read this, uh, The Coming of Bishop, the original Bishop, OG Bishop, uh, which I really like, and I was actually really glad to, to get that. When they released The Coming of Bishop trade paperback, I actually, I think it took a pass on it, and then uh, when they had it in trade paperback, I still took a pass on it because it's not the best material. Like, I like being able to pick this, you know, picking it up for five bucks and being able to read issues I never read before. And I got to admit, that was that's one thing I'm noticing as I look at some of these trades is that it was being able to pick up something that I had never read before, um, which these days, now I've read so much material from Marvel and DC that... There's a lot less out there that I haven't read. Although with DC, there's still a large, there's huge swaths because I just was never a DC fan. I don't think I really started reading any DC books, really, until 2003, 2002. Um, and that was because my, well, not roommate, but the uh, the person with the adjoining uh, room to mine in university, he was a DC fan. That was actually it was him who was like, here, you got to read Watchmen. You've never read Watchmen? And I'm like, no, I'm a Marvel zombie at this point definitely haven't read uh watchmen so um but with marvel like i feel like now i'm excited when i'm able to read material never read before or that i have no real inkling about that's you know really a, a lot of excitement for me is being able to see those things um let's see what else did i uh, pick up uh randomly at a, at a bmv or kind of found i, I picked up the uh, the Batlin jack murdoch j paperback now that was a book i loved in singles and it was more of a at some point someday i must own this in trade now that i'm converting everything to trade trying to have you know everything on my trade shelf and uh, that was definitely one of those things that i finally kind of said you know what it's time um thing i so one thing i i really missed the boat on and there was years and years where this was true is that 
and I look at my shelf, and this is I, I see evidence of it, where I would pick up trades of the books that I wasn't buying singles. That's that was the way I did it for so long. So a lot of the stuff is books that I just never picked up. Um, so I, you know, I've got cool trade paperbacks of stuff that I don't own singles for. But then some of my favorite books I never owned in trade paperback format. And now that I like having the bookshelf, I'm, I find that I pull out my singles less and less, uh, especially the older ones. That I kind of sad that I don't have, you know, everything in collected format. Specifically, uh, Exiles. Uh, a few years ago, I can't remember why or how, but I, I think it was on my birthday. Someone gave me the ultimate collection uh, for Exiles by one and i love it i absolutely love it and every time i look at it it just reminds me that i don't own the rest uh they're not as easy to find anymore um and plus i wish i could go back to the days before the canadian dollar change where i mean i remember being able to get epic collections for like 24 bucks and now they're like 40 35 40 52 like some ridiculous price uh there was a time and I could buy these things for like 25 bucks and uh, it hurts that I can't do that anymore um, and I felt that way with the Exiles Complete Collections and every time I would look at it I again this is one of those stupid like I feel like if I'm not going to be buying all five volumes or the five volumes I'm missing what's the point which is stupid absolutely stupid pick it up pick it up as it comes you know don't worry about having everything but um, you know if you're a fan of these things it's hard not to uh, speaking of things that are a weird thing that I haven't finished um, in the early 2000s, I loved EarthX. Now, going back, there's a lot of problems in those books. There's a lot of talking, not a lot of movement, but I still loved it. And, I mean, it very much feels like an artifact from the time, but I loved EarthX. Um, I remember the original sketchbook that came out in Wizard that kind of eventually led to EarthX. It's such a cool story. Um, and then I remember loving Universe X, and those ones where I only bought them in trade because I couldn't afford the singles that they were coming out. They were a little bit more expensive, and it was, you know, a full series. So then Earth X came out, and then Universe X, and I bought the first two, two trades there. And then for some reason, and I don't know why or how this happened, I got Paradise X Volume 1, and I don't know if I ever read Paradise X Volume 2. <laughs> I don't own it. Um, I feel like I, so someday I should really go back and pick that up, but it just seems like this weird... Uh, you know, missing piece that, and I feel like I couldn't just pick up Paradise X Volume 2 and read it. I'd have to read all the volumes leading up to it because it was just such a huge, massive story. Some really cool concepts, which uh, I still really enjoy. Um, so I'm just kind of ping-ponging here and there uh, as, as I see things on the shelf. Um, what else did I kind of hunt down? I remember... Yeah, Iron Man, let's see here. Oh, Inhumans. Now, this isn't one I actually picked up at BMV, but uh, I actually got it from uh, Nathan Strzok, who was a friend of the show, and he, I mean, I'd always enjoyed the Inhumans book, but he was kind of like, oh, I don't need this on my shelf anymore. You want this? I'm like, yes. Uh, again, one of those things I hadn't bought back in the day. Um, here's a, an Iron Man trade paperback that uh, I actually don't even know why I have it on the shelf anymore. It really doesn't need to be here. Um, it's uh, Iron Man, Mask in the Iron Man. Um so I'm thinking, isn't yeah? This is you don't. I don't need this anymore. This is actually in the Iron Man by Joe Quesada um, trade paperback because it includes these issues. Um, but for some reason, I still have this. In fact, it has one thing that the um, that the uh, mask in the Iron Man doesn't have. So I don't actually even know why I own this. But I definitely picked this up at a BMV. Uh, nine bucks apparently. I paid for this book, and uh, it has one of my favorite Iron Man storylines, where uh, it's uh, got artwork by Sean Chen, where Joe Quesada starts writing Iron Man, and has a really cool story about the uh, armor becoming sentient. I won't say much more than that, because at, at some point, Tim Riley and I are going to talk about this. Uh, so I apparently own it three times, four times. I No, three times. I was just trying to think. Where do I own this? I own it in singles. Um, I definitely own it in trade. 
twice. And so that's the three different versions of this I have. Um, I love this storyline. I remember this is obviously years before they created the Iron Man by Joe Posada trade paperback. Um, I never thought it would be reprinted. I mean, at the time, I never thought Heroes Return would ever be reprinted. So I remember picking this up and being like, oh my God, no way. Like, I love this story. Being able to have it on my bookshelf, easy to read, easy to, you know, to access. The art looking crisp and wonderful by Sean Chen and also having artwork by Alyssa Martinez. Uh, this is such an exciting find when I found it. So I remember having to be like, I gotta pick this up. Again, I feel like I don't find these types of things anymore. Or maybe I just own a lot of the ones I want. Um, you know, like, maybe it's not even it's not the fault of BMV for not having the stuff I want. It's more that I have a lot of the stuff I could want. Um, actually, as I look up here, we also have the Avengers World Trust. Um, which, I think I legitimately only picked it up because it was super cheap at BMV. It's not a bad story. I actually like the story. Um, although I feel like at the time when it was coming out, I was not a huge fan. I remember reading it in Red Zone and then kind of being like, I'm good with Avengers. I don't need to read this. Um, until Disassembled happened not long afterwards. Um, I feel like I only picked up World Trust because it was relatively cheap. Because, I mean, you could pick up the you know the John, Jeff Johns collection. And I think that actually kind of works out better. But um, I feel like I'm looking at it here. The reason why I picked this up especially is I love the issues with Gary Frank on art with uh, the Jack of Hearts stories. Those were so good. Um, but that, again, this is another one of those kind of cheap pickups that I was able to find and uh, and take with me. And I feel like Gambit Classic was kind of the same for me. I feel like, yeah, that wasn't something I really thought I needed to pay full price, but 10 bucks for uh, you know the original kind of uh, Gambit appearance. Sorry, I think I meant to say Cable. I meant to say Gambit. Uh, the first few Gambit appearances I thought was you know well worth it. I feel like uh, Spider-Man and the Black Hat was another one of those ones where I was just kind of looking around and it was in there and it was five bucks. Yeah, so five dollars. I was like, you know what? I wasn't a huge fan of the story, but maybe, maybe my my opinions will change. Um, I still don't necessarily think it was the best writing by Kevin Smith, um, but you know, for five dollars, it really couldn't go wrong there, and uh, it was well worth it. Um, other trades I eventually picked up because. Originally, I wasn't planning on having them. Uh, was uh, the this, this century, both Century Reborn and the original Century? Um, those were ones I didn't really need because I had the singles. But as I was starting to, you know, convert things over, I figured it was time to start buying the trade paperback collections, and that's what kind of led that to happen. I have Peter Parker's Spider-Man: A Day in the Life, which I'm really happy I own. Um, and this was definitely one of the ones I picked up from from uh, my local BMV. It cost me nine bucks. It's got, uh, let's see, Web Spinners 10 to 12 by Paul Jenkins, and then uh, 20 to 22 and 26 from his run on that book. So some fun, you know, good stories that are kind of packed in there. Um, that was definitely a kind of a, uh, an older trade of stuff that's unlikely to be collected anywhere else, um, just because of, you know, the material and the fact that they don't seem that excited or interested in kind of reprinting that older material. Um else did I find in that BMV that really... I can't remember when I picked this up, The Son of the Goblin. I feel like that wasn't a BMV pickup, but that was definitely something I was happy to have. Um, you know, I, I know there's so much I've picked up from there over the years, and some of it I just forget what I... I forget what I picked up. I know I think I picked up Weapon Omega there and some of the What If volumes where they started um, doing just the What If one-shots every year and not, so not the actual sequentially numbered book, uh, series but something else instead. Uh, I remember I went on BM, uh, sorry, eBay once and picked up, uh, I think, what, 15 volumes of X Factor or something. Um, and now I have it all in trade. And Although I look at it sometimes and I'm like, do I need all this still? Like, I... 
is it something that I can easily go back and reread? And uh, maybe I could. I don't know. It just feels like there's so much material, it's almost harder to, to kind of wind oneself up ready to go back and, and read it. Um, whereas if it had been like, you know, one or two volumes, I feel like it's easier. Like once it's longer or there's more material, it's definitely harder to kind of psych oneself up to be like, I'm going to go back and reread all this, especially when there's always new material and there's old material and, uh, you know, there's always, there's always something else you could be reading. Um, anyway, so that's just a a brief look at some of the things in my bookshelf that kind of jumped out as kind of stories about collecting and, um, you know, wanting, Wanted to get, you know, cheap volumes or just to get, you know, volumes here and there, things that I was excited about. I mean, I look at it now and there's definitely some things on my shelf where I'm like, I'm glad I bought it. I'm glad I got to experience it. Glad I got to read it. Not sure if I need it anymore. And, but no one really is going to pick up trades. I don't think there's that much of a market for it. I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I just feel like I look at the, some of the stuff and I'm like, oh, you know, it's, it's cool and I'm glad I had it, but, you know, did do I really need it anymore? Um, Dark Rain is kind of a good example for that, where I have a number of trades from the Dark Rain kind of branding, and they were good stories, a lot of them. I um, really enjoyed them, but I also feel like they definitely have a limited shelf life. I'm not really going to go back and read them again. Um I wish the Dark Rain Fantastic Four was part of a, you know, Fantastic Four branding so I could, uh, on my bookshelf, put it right next to Fantastic Four. But, yeah, I, I think more and more about this stuff, about collections and where to put things and how to sort things. And just because, as with many of us, I've run out of space. And trying to sell comics and, you know, move things around and try and wedge everything in and keep everything with some semblance of order um, is difficult and kind of, you know, soul crushing at times because you know you, you when you're younger you're, you you never realize you're going to run out of space um you know you have a i remember when i first started collecting comics uh back before i even had bags and boards and i'm talking super early when i just had like a very limited amount of comics then you have them bagged and boarded uh they're just kind of in a bookcase somewhere and i had them like you know piled on top of each other which is the worst way you could do things um and then after that someone started giving me tomato boxes um from like i think like a local subway or something and i used to have just comics in, in subway boxes and then eventually into bankers boxes and um and now I just have, like, have so many of those that I just you know don't really want them anymore. I don't even love my singles anymore. I, the amount of comics I buy in uh, physical format is very different. Um, and so like I'm not adding a lot every year, but I kind of look at the stuff that I would I would go to shows and try and sell stuff. And even that's changed in a big way because it you know it's it's all older stuff now. Like when I first started going, it was like oh this is from a couple of years ago, and now it's like well this is from like seven years ago. No one wants this. Uh, so let's kind of difficult and demoralizing when you have so much material that you've read and enjoyed but just have no need for anymore um and you know maybe someone will want them someday and again even looking at my trades i realized that more and more like i i'm glad i have all the spider-man ones so i can go back and kind of reread spider-man from a certain point forward and read it all but there's a lot of stuff where like i just don't buy the collections anymore there's no point um or I just kind of, again, there's a whole period of when I was super into it buying, a, like, my, my my height was definitely 2000 to 2010. That's not buying like everything I wanted. Um, and, and a lot of that stuff is not necessarily stuff I want to go back and reread anymore. I liked it at the time, but it's not something that, I'd, you know, you only have so many hours in the day and so many things kind of fighting for it. And being able to look at my bookshelf and say, you know what, I can trace Daredevil from, you know, Bendis 
all the way forward um, in trade paperback format. That's cool. You know, I got all the Mark Wade stuff. I got all the Soul stuff. So if I ever, you know, Daredevil's one of my favorite characters, I could easily do that. Iron Man, I can't say that for anymore. There was a time where I loved reading all the old Iron Man stuff and reading uh, comics like Iron Man Legend, the, sorry, Iron Man the Legend from, I think, what, 97? Whenever Heroes Are Born happened. No, I can't remember. Um, reading that and being so excited about, about having Iron Man stuff, but I look at, I barely have any Iron Man trades. Uh, I definitely enjoyed Iron Man for a long time. Um, you know, I, I bought all the Heroes Return stuff, and I probably really enjoyed the first 50 or so issues. Then I left the book for a long time and kind of came back, but kept leaving. And then when the characterization really started to shift to be matching the movies, I was a little, a lot less interested in Iron Man. Um, so Iron Man's not even that well represented on my, on my shelf anymore, really. It's, you know, you see a lot of Spider-Man, you see a lot of Daredevil, um, and those are the, you know, the two epic lines I've decided to collect are Spider-Man and Daredevil. And then I have, you know, kind of these weird smatterings. Uh, again, you can kind of tell when I kind of came up in comics because, you know, I've got all the Heroes Were Born trade paperbacks. Those are never leaving here. <laughs> never getting rid of those. You got, like, the, the Thunderbolts classics and the Hawkeye and the Thunderbolts. That's a book that's always good for me going to be one of my favorite things to go back to. That's like a, a comfort comic, you know? Like, it always just feels good. Avengers Assemble by Kurt Busiek and George Perez. So that's the name of the branding of the, of the book. Uh, for how they collected it. So there's five collections that collects all of Busick's run. That's like comfort comics. And maybe that's something I'll talk about next time is what is a comfort comic? What really, what does that look like? And uh, how how tied into your nostalgia is it? Like I have, what, how many volumes are there? 10 volumes that, or 11 volumes that comprise the Clone Saga? Why do I have this? You know, what, what does this mean to me? Why does it mean that? Um, is my son ever going to give a damn about the Clone Saga? <laughs> part of me, ho- part of me hopes he doesn't. <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty old. It's kind of like you know he's born in 2013, so the Clone Saga was big in what like 94, 95. Let's call it 95 just for a moment. So if we call it 95, which is about right, I think it ended in 96. Um, I might be a little off my chronologies, but if we call it 95, so that's you know. How many years before my son was born? 18 years. So uh, i got to think about this. So what was happening come 18 years before I was born? So 18 years before I was born would put me at 1965. All right. So that's a good time for comics. But that's like someone being like, okay, I mean, you're just starting to read comics. I know you want to read stuff from now or from, again, like, you know, in the early 90s and all this flashy, cool stuff. But I'm like, how about instead we go back and we read something from 18 years before you were born? How do you think about that? And I'd be like, what are you talking about? That being said, that's amazing material. It's almost not even fair. Because <laughs> that's at least the classic material for these characters, 1965. But it just, I think about that a lot with a lot of things with my son. Like, you know, I, I want to be able to share stuff that means something to me or that I always loved. Like, Back to the Future. I love Back to the Future. And I'm like, you know, it was so cool when I was growing up. But I have to, again, i got to stop myself. Think about this. Hold on. You know, like, it came out when I was two, uh, I love Back to the Future, but like at the end of the day, again, it's from 1985. Uh, that's a long time before my son was born. You know, that's uh, what is it, 28 years? <laughs> that's a long time before he was born. Um, again, so it's like someone being like, "Hey, you want to watch a movie from 28 years before you were born? Want to watch something from 1955?" I mean, knowing me, I'd probably say yes, but most people, my, my wife would definitely say no. She's like, "Eh, I'm good." Uh, so I, I, I think a lot about this stuff once I had a kid is that being able to share and I realize as years go on that a huge part of my personality is wanting to talk about things with people, which is why 
when we do you know the movie podcast, I really enjoy it because how often do you get to sit around and actually you know dedicate an hour to talk about a movie you just saw with someone? I mean, I'm not lucky enough to generally have that happen. Like if I see a movie with my wife, we'll talk about it for a bit, but that's about it. Uh, for most people, whereas that's why like I want to read a comic, but then I want someone else to read it. I want to talk about it with them. You know, I just I, I it's almost like I I can't just enjoy the experience on my own. Sometimes I kind of need to to be able to know what someone else thought about it, even if they didn't like it. Just to know what they liked about it, what they didn't like about it, being able to like, you know, externalize that that thought process is interesting to me and something I really I get a charge out of. Anyways, this has been a long rambly episode, um, but thank you very much for sticking with us all the way through. You can rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and listen to us on Stitcher. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail dot com. Uh, this episode was originally going to be a conversation with my wife talking about uh, a movie that we just saw, which literally came out like over a month ago, which was um, the new Jumanji uh, Welcome to the Jungle movie, and, we, and she was like, "Oh, you know, what? we should do a podcast about that." I'm like, "It's a month after it's come out, but absolutely." Absolutely. would love the opportunity to talk about a movie with you on the podcast and then as with most things in life it just didn't end up happening it might happen at some point maybe we'll put up as a bonus episode um so but unfortunately it didn't end up happening and uh which is a bit of a bummer but uh yeah anyways thank you for listening to this episode uh the reviews episode for releases from the week of january 24th will be out probably within the next day uh the next episode after that it might be the jamal Eagle episode not sure yet um i should be talking with him shortly and uh we've got some good stuff percolating uh we're gonna have engelhart back on the show in the next month or two trying to get cal dodd on the show the legendary voice of wolverine from the x-men animated series in the 90s uh still working on scheduling with jeff winnick we have the upcoming spotlight on black panther episode so a lot of good stuff coming up so thank you so much for joining us and for sticking with comic shenanigans and we will catch you next time bye-bye this is the Comic Shenanigan Podcast. I'm Adam Chapman, your host, and this is a little addendum to episode 546. I'm joined by... I'm Zachary. <laughs> I'm joined by Zachary. <laughs> so, Zach, I wanted to talk to you. So, recently, we got you some new books, right? Yeah. So, Daddy got you some new books, and we just read the first volume the other day. It's called Hilo, The Boy Who Crashed to Earth by Judd Winnick. What did you think of this book? Uh, it was super good. Yeah? What was super good about it? Like when he was a robot and he fell apart. So Hilo is actually, well, that's a bit of a spoiler. Say, can you say spoiler? Spoiler. Okay, spoiler. Um, Hilo is uh, actually a robot. And did you say he fell apart? Yeah. That's pretty cool. What else did you like about this book? What? It it had a lot of pictures, right? It was like a comic book. Like when... Well, if I show you the pictures, the people who are listening to you can't see the pictures. <laughs> oh. Well, why you just read them to them? Oh, I, I don't think anyone wants to hear me read the story to them, but you really so like you liked it? So they fell apart, so, so Hilo was a real robot. Hilo was a real robot, yeah, and he fell apart. They had to put him back and together, right? he fell into a hole. Yeah. And then, and then he was talking. So you're basically tell, you're telling from, everyone what's happening as you from, flip through the book? From, from, in, from you, this guy. That, that's his friend DJ, remember? DJ's cubby. Yeah. So it was a good book? Now, when you finished the book, oh, you, you wanted to read the second book, right? Yeah. So, so far, so we finished the first book, which is called Hilo, the Boy Who Crashed to Earth. And, and then... 
What? This is the second book. So we just started this last Can night. I We're not actually done this yet. First day, there's a guy who crashed to Earth. That's right. It was it was hollow. So it's gonna be hard and for then, many people uh, to. And then, uh, and then he, he blasts the robot, and then he's back together, and he was in and he was in there. Then he said, "What up?" And then Zach. he went out his head and he looked and it was his head and he said, ah! And then he said he was talking because the portal just looked yeah. out. So I will say, so it might be so hard for some people to understand what you just said. Hold on, hold on. But you were actually very accurate. You were telling the story of how what happened in the first couple pages and how Hilo's robot head goes flying through the portal. It might, it's just hard for some people to understand what you're saying. I want to see the... What I want to read was his toe. Okay, well, we'll read some more, but I just want you to tell everyone. So you think Hilo is a good book for little kids to read? Yeah. Yeah? And you liked it a lot? Yeah. And did your cousin read it as well? Yeah. Yeah? Your cousin really liked it. He read it all in, he read it in like an hour, right? He just sat down and read the entire thing, right? Yeah. Okay, and so you'd say that other kids should definitely read this? It's really fun? Yeah. Okay. And you know what? Do you know who wrote it and uh, illustrated it? Yeah. It's a guy named Judd, and I might be talking with him in a couple of weeks. So when I talk to him, should I tell him that you really like the book? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for yeah. talking. Can you say goodbye to everybody? And then he's... Yeah. Goodbye. Say bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Say thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Comic Shenanigans. Thank you for listening to Comic Shenanigans. <laughs> it's a tough word, right? Yeah. Okay, bye-bye. Peace.